You are listening to the Treasuring Christ Church podcast. At TCC, we believe that church isn't just like a family, but it is a family. We hope you're encouraged by listening to God's word today, but we would love to see you on Sundays at 1030. For more information, check us out online at tccannarbor.com. All right, we'll see how things go. Um, So thank you for recording this. Thank you all for coming. I am glad that I get to teach you today, but I, I heard a lot. I tried to hear your guys' group a little bit. I was over there by the door a couple times, um, but I heard a lot of things that I was like, oh, I haven't thought of it that way before. Um, so I'm excited to dive into this with you, and hopefully if you guys do have questions, they'll be answered. If not, we can dig deep together. Um, but I just... I wanted to, I mean, most of y'all know my background, my story and everything, but I kind of wanted to dive into that because part of it makes me think of this. So, um, so I grew up in Louisiana, North Central area, really far from New Orleans. Everybody thinks New Orleans. No, really uh, about five hours north of there. And um, I had, so like, the reason I'm telling this is partially, you know, to tell my story, but also... I had plans for what, how things would happen, and sometimes those plans happened, but they didn't happen when I thought that they would happen. And so what happened was is um, through college, I felt like God was leading me to international missions, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because that means like I'm going to be away from my home for two years because I was looking at a two-year program, and um, and through he just very clearly told me like this is what I want you to do stop fighting with me this is a privilege I'm giving you so um after college I had planned to move overseas but that didn't happen for a year I ended up moving to South Louisiana and I worked with international no no I didn't do that yet Uh, I moved to uh South Louisiana and I worked at a Baptist collegiate ministry down there and then um and then I moved to, to Thailand. I had planned to move to Poland or somewhere like that because I've been there before. I've been to Poland twice. Once was for a three-week period, and then the next time was for an eight-week period. And I knew some of the culture, some people, some things like that. So I was like, I want to, you know, I want to go there. There are no options in Poland. And so I came away at the end of my uh, orientation, and three choice. My top three choices were. Number three was in China. Number two was in India. And number one was in Thailand. And so I ended up a year later moving to Thailand. I was there for two years and served with the International Mission Board. And then I moved back to North Louisiana, worked at the Baptist Collegiate Ministry there. But my plan was only to be there for four months. Well, um, somebody asked me to be on staff at the Baptist Collegiate Ministry there where I went to college, BCM for short. and I was, okay, yeah, sure, I'll work there for four months and then I'll go to seminary like I had planned. Two years later, <laughs> I was still at Louisiana Tech University. So I served there for two years working with international students and college students and things like that. Um, and then I finally made it to Southeastern Seminary where I had planned to go. See, my plan was to move back overseas to, to Southeast Asia. And I was 
Yeah, so I, I to go over to Southeast Asia or wherever for career with the International Mission Board, you have to um, you have to get, or then, I don't know what it is now, but I had to get 20 hours of seminary credit. And I was like, I'll just get my degree. So my undergrad was in counseling, really interested in counseling, got my Master of Arts in Biblical Counseling. And um, then... Yeah, I, I was really, really far with the process with the International Mission Board to go back overseas career. Well, this is where things just completely went a different way than I thought it would. I moved to Michigan instead of Southeast Asia. And so I was at um, Open Door Church with Chris and Amy and um, Michael and Emily and uh, Natalie, another girl that moved. And then later I met Alyssa and Alyssa moved after, uh, about a year after we did. But um, so yeah, it's, it, I was asked by Amy to move up here and after lots of prayer and thinking, that's where I ended up. So, um, I was on staff at TCC for two years and then I was, what am I going to do? Am I going to continue in counseling? Am I going to, you know, I was planning to continue in counseling, but, um, after lots of prayer and thought, I've been interested in nursing for a really long time. Um, and so I, again, through lots of prayer and thinking, I decided that I want to continue to counsel for free for ministry purposes, but I want to go back to school to become a nurse. And so that happened just before COVID hit. That's when I started going back to school. Um, so yeah, I had to do two years of prereqs and support classes. And then, um, I just started my first, well, I had my first semester in the winter for the nursing program. So, um, so I mean, all that to say, like to tie it in, we had, I, we have plans for what our life's gonna look like. And then God's like, actually, well, this is what's gonna happen. And um, mm -hmm. so, yeah, so it's a little bit of my background along with, yeah, tying that part in. So again, thank you all for coming today. So what has happened so far in Exodus? A whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they have been on it. Journey. <laughs> That's right. Tell me about it. Yeah. Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. Okay. It was real rough, real bad. God raised up Moses. It was a little bit of a Rocky start. <laughs> rough, rocky start. And then it was like gangbusters. Let's get out of here. Lots of plagues. Okay. We're getting out. Red Sea. And then everybody tries to follow. And God's like, no, you're not. And then they're on their little journey. We're hitting rocks for water. We're getting fed from the sky. And everything seems like super awesome because, wow, look at all that God's doing. But they're like a grumbling, complaining mess because they just can't remember. Sounds really familiar. <laughs> and now we're we're at a mountain, and we're gonna get some more rules and some things from the Lord. Rules and things. <laughs> rules and things. But like so much grace that I did not even perceive previously. Yeah, I would say. In Exodus so far, we've been surprised by that, of just, like, the amount of times I think that we've seen the Lord 
step in and take on judgment on himself to provide grace to the people. And so mm-hmm. that's something that's stuck out to me. But yeah. there's so much the gospel. I was like, we're in Exodus. Do you not know this is like Old Testament God? Like, and there's just like the gospel. Boom. Yeah, and you could really see that in. I mean, there are some places where it's hard to see, but in a lot of places throughout the Old Testament, you could see how God is providing and how, yeah, he's the same. Anything else? I think, like, last week we talked about um, how... Jethro, like they had their first battle and then Jethro and how it was like God inviting the nations to be present um, and invited into the same good news that the Israelites were experiencing. And so just how that was the kind of key transition in Exodus of like the Exodus, what God had promised in the beginning being fulfilled in that moment where the nations are invited and they're now at the mountain seemingly ready to worship or had already received this section of scripture, I Mm -hmm. think. Yes, thank you. So we're going to start briefly at where we were last week at the last part. So in, um, like you guys read this earlier, but um, Exodus 19, three through six, during that time they were at at Mount Sinai and God had reminded the Israelites through Moses, you, you yourself saw what God did. You mm-hmm. saw this. So he, he told them that if they obey his voice and keep his covenant, then they will be God's treasured possession among all the people. But also, we were, you guys were talking earlier that um, God saved Israel so that he would even like save everybody mm-hmm. ultimately. So um, he called Israel to be faithful to him, even though they he hadn't told them his whole covenant yet. Mm-hmm. So you saw what I've done. You saw how mighty I am. Now follow me. So with all that, if those of you know who have heard my teaching or small group or whatever i really like going back through covenants that have come before and so we're gonna look before i have seven verses for us to read and then i'll have more stuff later but uh would somebody read genesis 12 verses 1 through 3. genesis 12 1 through 3. Alyssa, thank you genesis 15 verses 1 to 6. Trey, thank you. Genesis 17, verses 1 through 8. I've got more verses, so. <laughs> got plenty to go around. Sure. So, Rebecca, you're doing that? Yes. Yeah, 17, okay. 1 through 8. Yes. Nikki, 26, 3 to 5, still in Genesis. And then have, again, in Genesis, verses 11 through 12. Genesis. Genesis chapter 35, verses 11 and 12. 
Okay, then I have Genesis 47, 27. Oh, never mind. I thought we were filming it. Forty seven left. Twenty seven. I can do that. Thank you. I might read that first that Rebecca was gonna read if she's not back in time. Okay, I'll re go through what I gave y'all to. Um, and then the last one in this little section, Exodus 1, 7. Just the one verse. Yes, ma'am. You got it? Thanks, Brie. <laughs> okay, so I want us to look back at these because as we have talked about, it's very important to look back at God's faithfulness, what he has done. And so in, these ver in the first several verses, we're going to talk about how uh, the Abrahamic covenant. We're going to talk about that. And then in the late, little later verses that I asked y'all to read, the fulfillment of those up until this point. Okay. Um, so, Alyssa, you said Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And there it is. And through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Um, Genesis 15, 1 through 6. After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram continued, look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. And then um, what happened was Sarai and Abram, you know, they still didn't have any kids. And Sarai brought Hagar to him and said, here, sleep with him, and sleep with her, and you'll, you know, you can have a kid through that. Because, again, Sarah was barren. Sarai. And um, so then, you know, they had Ishmael, and then God's like, no, this is not how it's going to be done. And anyway, Genesis 17, 1 through 8. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face. And God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. 
and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your journeys, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So we've heard in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 17 about how God gave his, he made his covenant with Abraham, um, how he was going to make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. He's going to make him a great nation. And then we talked about how so that all the nations of the world will be blessed. Now let's look at how he made that same covenant with Isaac in Genesis 26, three through five. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your offspring, I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give your offspring all these lands and in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. Okay, and then again with Jacob in Genesis 35, 11 through 12. Oh, wait, I was going to do that because Rebecca was going to do it. Uh, 11 through 12. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from you. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give it to you, and I will give the land to your descendants after you. So again, we've got the covenant with Abraham, multiple, and then with Isaac, and then with Jacob. So I want us to look at Genesis 47, 27. Bree. Was that me? I think I had access, but I can read that one too. Oh no, sorry, who's got 47, 27? I thought that was you. I can read it if you would like. Yes, please. Sure. 47, 27? Yes, ma'am. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it and were fruitful and multiplied greatly. So they continued to be fruitful and multiply. And then Exodus 1, 7. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew, grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. So you see, this is, you see the verses throughout Genesis and then the beginning of Exodus, it's already happening. Mm -hmm. God is making the people fruitful and multiplying. And then we saw a couple, a few different times that he's, go, he's made them his nation so that other people will come to know him, that all nations will come to know him. And then we see the fulfillment, short fulfillment of that in the end of Genesis, and then in Exodus 1-7. And this is why, I mean, I believe you all know this, but this is why um, they were put into slavery to begin with, because they were so fruitful, fruitful, and they did multiply, and they continued to grow and multiply even after they were in slavery. But the Egyptians were like, there, there are so many of them, they could trample over us, and what are we going to do? So we're going to put them into slavery. But they continue to grow and multiply. So um, 
This brings us to, or we're going to fast forward a little bit to Exodus 19. Um, so this brings us to Mount Sinai, the assembly, the gathering, the congregation. Um, and we look like Deuteronomy 18, 16, Moses was talking about this time before they were about to go into the promised land. And he said, he called it the day of the assembly. And um, again, we talked about how this ha took place at Mount Sinai, or the mountain of God. Um, again, from last week, we talked about how God called the people of Israel to obey his voice and to keep his covenant. And he, again, he told them, you know, keep my covenant but before he completely went through what the covenant meant. But it wasn't just 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 do it you know it's like you see me do this and i've been faithful to your fathers i will continue to be faithful follow me and so um yeah so he's calling them to that and we're going to talk more how he's calling them to a relationship with him So Moses reported to the Lord that the people of Israel said, yes, we will. We are, we are going to follow your covenant. We are going to have this relationship with you. And God told Moses that he himself was going to talk to Moses in a dense cloud. He wanted the people of Israel to trust Moses and to rely on him, to, to see him as the true mediator between him and God and um, between the people and God. And I wonder what they're playing up there. That's kind of funny. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, wait, I know what it is. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, God did indeed speak to Moses. And so I just think about know, this large group of people. And then if, if people aren't listening to you, then it's hard to lead anybody anywhere. And so having, having God himself be this, this person, like you need listen to him. He is following me and he is going to lead you well and as he follows me. And so, um, yeah, that was encouraging to me too. So, Moses and all of the, so God actually came down. He talked to Moses through this dense cloud and all of the people heard it. And so, um, and this helped me see, well, I mean, he, in Deuteronomy 4.12, again, before they went into the promised land, Moses referred back to this part and said, you yourself heard God's voice. You heard him, you heard him speak. So this also shows like God is not a, a silent God. He's a God that speaks and listens. He's here for two-way communication. And this also made me think back to Exodus when, um, when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. And he said in Exodus 4, 7 through 8, he said that he heard his people. He heard the groans and moans of them. And he, he, 
So I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So God heard and he acted. He's not just a God that is just a one-way God, like you do this, you do that. He wanted a relationship with his people. And I feel like in this passage, it really shows that. Um, And also, so, I believe that his, that the Israelites were in slavery for 400 years, I think. So we're like, why were they in slavery for that long? But also, like, in our own lives, we have a lot of things that, that happen. We're like, God, why did it, this happen this way? And why didn't you intervene here? Or, you know, what, what's going on with this? But then we can remember, and I, I need to remember in times where I... Um, wondering, you know, what's going on. God is faithful and he knows what's best and he wants what's best for us. And so again, as we just looked back through the covenants and the, um, the fulfillment of that, we also should continue to look back into in our lives and what God has done. Look back through the scriptures and then look back in our personal relationship with him and what he has done and yeah I think that will that will continue to help us um and then I was also thinking about Acts seventeen twenty seven. it says that God is not far from any of us we may not always feel like he is near but he is he's near and he wants you to come to him Okay, back to Exodus 19. Um, God didn't save the Israelites just from slavery and death. He saved them for a relationship with him. And he told them in verse 10 and um, in verse 15, he, he he told Moses to consecrate them. And to consecrate in Hebrew means to make them holy, set a, set apart. And so... Um, and 10, in verse 10, it talked about how they were to wash their garments. Mm-hmm. And then in 15, how they were supposed to abstain from sexual relations. And um, in the book, in my commentary that I had, um, in my commentary that I have, it, it talked about how this was, these things were included, but it, in setting aside or altering aspects of daily living in order and preparation to meet with God. And some individual earlier talked about how, (laughs) 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 could you say how you said it? (laughs) Stay under the radar. (laughs) I was just thinking, I was wondering if like how he said to abstain from sexual acts even though they were legitimate like they were probably between husband and wife um what did i write here uh sorry to put you on oh god wanted his people to yearn for purity by restraining from desires even legitimate desires 
And I just kind of paralleled it to, because I was like, why? Like, why would you, like, sex is good, why would you do that? Um, but I was paralleling it to fasting and, like, how we fast to purify our ears and our heart to hear him and focus on him. So is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so I thought that was a good way of putting it. And um, and again, this also says setting aside or altering aspects of daily living. They might not be negative aspects, but they are they are to help people draw near to this holy God. Because God is calling us to be holy as he is holy. In verse 12, it talked about, along with the consecration, came limits. Moses was to put limits around the mountain and for the people to not touch the mountain. Uh, I enjoyed listening to the discussion on this, too. Um, so, like, I heard, like, baby-proofing. <laughs> so, um, I don't have kids, but I am a nanny. So, one of the boys is now able to gets into everything but a few months ago he's uh 17 months old now and so one day I was like where is he and he was halfway up the steps I'm like oh my goodness I'm so glad I found him because it some it could have gotten bad I didn't tell his mom that but what happened was (laughs) (laughs) what happened was it happened with her too and she told me about it and they ended up getting a baby gate and so like there are so many baby gates and everything, but it's not like we're trying to keep him off the stairs because we don't want him to have fun climbing the stairs. We just right. want to take that fun away. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we put a gate up so that he doesn't fall. Obviously, he wants to go. I mean, kids, right? I'm sure I was like this too, but wanted to, we like to go wherever we're not supposed to go because it's more fun. Sometimes. Well, so God put up this barrier. God put up this barrier. Welcome back. I got distracted after that. Um, it's like baby proofing. <laughs> it's not that God didn't want them to have fun. It's not that he doesn't want us to enjoy life. But, I mean, there are limits that have to be set. And he was setting it to help them see how to have this good relationship with him and to revere him as holy because, I mean, he is. And so Tim Chester in this book... Um, called Exodus for You. He also, he wrote in the book, he said, he described this as God's holiness as being nuclear. If you are going to approach something nuclear, you're probably going to do it with a lot of safety and going to wear um, protective clothing. And even still, you're probably going to still be really careful because you never know what's going to happen. Um, and so in the same way, if the people want to approach God, they must come prepared through consecration. And even then, 
they must not come too close. And so uh, a nuclear reactor must also be encased in layers of concrete. So this was a safeguard. It was not, again, it was not to be harsh or anything like that, but it was to protect them. And um, somebody else in the group said, you know, he could just not have said anything and then boom, 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 like you're dead, you know, but he didn't. He gave them those safeguards. He gave them these boundaries because they were there, whether he gave them to them or not. And so he was being loving. And so with these, uh, with these layers, the people basically had these layers of the mountain. Moses was supposed to separate parts of the mountain. He alone could go up to the top of the mountain. But later, I think in, um, later in the, our passage for today, Aaron was able to go up too. But so Moses was the main one that got to go to the top of the mountain. And then the elders, Aaron and the 70 elders were able to be like in the middle of the mountain. And then, but the people had to stay at the bottom. And so they had these safeguards up to protect the people and again, for them to remember the holiness of God. Um, God wants a holy relationship with his people. And then he repeats the importance of the consecration and everything in verses 20 to 23. So that this is serious, it's a big deal. So that's why he restated that. And then in verse 16, the Lord, the, the, the third day had come. So he told them to get ready for the third day, for I'm going to meet with my people on the third day. And so the third day had come. So think about this. Like they are in their camp, right? Then they hear thunder, lightning, and thick cloud and loud trumpets and everything. All this blast. They hear all this happening. And I, I don't know about you, but I would be terrified. Like what is going on? And so I also read in the commentary, in one of the commentaries, I don't remember if it was this one or my ESV study Bible, but it talked about the last time that they had heard thunder and, or yeah, heard that and lightning and everything was back in the plagues whenever the plague of hell came. Mm. And so I'm sure either PTSD or like just flashes back to that in general. And so of course, like they're afraid. And so Moses leads them out to the front or to the foot of the mountain so I just had like, what exactly would a foot of a mountain be? And maybe everybody's like, oh, that's the bottom of the mountain, you idiot. Like we're <laughs> about to climb up. But I just like looked it up real quick and it is, it's like, cause like, you know, a mountain, you might have a front or a back, but there's no like one area, it's a mountain, right? And so at the foot of a mountain is the place where they were, to, where you would start to climb up. And so this reminded me of, this is the place where they were ready to start this relationship with God. And um, I got way ahead of myself, I think. But yeah, so the, this mountain was wrapped in smoke. And it's because God had descended upon it. And this is all of this, the thunder, the lightning, the clouds, the smoke. This is representing God's presence. There's, like I'm trying to picture it all, like picture the majesty of God. It's really hard do but I just yeah it's really cool I think real smoky <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely, it does. Um, and then we have, in the beginning of Exodus 20, we have where God gave the people the Ten Commandments. And um, Moses had to go up to the mountain and get the Ten Commandments for the second time. And, um, and then God spoke to the people. And so this is where Moses was referring to them later, like, you heard God speak. You've heard him. And um, so, but then they told Moses, they, okay, you talk to us. Don't have him talk to us because you know, they were fearful that they would die. And Moses wanted them to understand that it's good that they have this fear, but it, it, to be more like, not like, you know, they want to stay away from him, but they want to, but a fear of reverence and awe and respect. Because again, like this is the holy God we're talking about. So again, that po points back to the safeguard, to the baby proofing, to help them see this right relationship with God, how God wants this relationship with them and he's helping them see see that see how that they can have this relationship with him and so and then verses 22 to 26 that helps frame the first section of the laws following the ten commandments and god is calling for wholehearted allegiance to him so what does this mean to us today i mean we're really far from mount sinai we're really far time-wise, but something that we need to remember is God is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He's as holy now as he was then. And secondly, like God's call to the people has not changed. He's calling us to consecrate ourselves and to have this relationship with him. We are to be holy because he is holy. And it's pointing toward to like Mount Sinai to Mount Zion, heaven, the heavenly mountain. See, God hasn't changed and the calling for his people hasn't changed, but the mediator has. Jesus is our mediator. God himself, he, he came to this world in the form of a man. And he lived the perfect life that, I mean, that we've read about in the Bible. And he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we could be holy. He paid that price. He did that for us. He is a, he is a good God, a holy God, but he, welcomes us into that holiness. He paid the price for us to be holy. And we know that you know, it didn't just end there with him dying on the cross. He rose from the dead on the third day. And so this, I'm almost done, but I wanted to leave you with, um, I'm gonna read Hebrews chapter four, verses four through 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. I think I said 4 to 16. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, 
let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as you are, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Y'all, we serve a holy God, but not a God who is standoffish, not a God who just makes all these rules and doesn't want us to have any fun, but a God who knows what's best for us and wants what's best for us, and a God who wants this relationship with us, not just a one-time thing. Yeah, you prayed this prayer and the aisle, whatever. It's He wants this daily relationship with us. He's a God of mercy and of grace and of truth and justice as well. He can't separate any of that from himself. And as Exodus 19 warns us that if we remain in our sin, we will spend an eternity away from him. God is holy and just, and due to his justice, he must must punish sin. And so we've heard a lot, like, Why would a merciful God send people to hell? Well, he's paid the price for us to have this relationship with him. He's done it. He's calling people to himself. And he is a just God. He has to punish sin. So if there's anybody here that doesn't know him, please change that today. Fix that today. And then... For all of us who are, we need to remember that there is a lost and dying world out there. And I'm sure, you know, like it's in our face every day. Mm-hmm. So I am going to continue to pray for you and for me that we will take the opportunity that we have to build these relationships with other people and to share the gospel with them. Share what Jesus has done for us. and. Mm-hmm that he's not just the God up high watching us and judging us and everything, but he is a God who is near and dear and wants a relationship with him. All right, I wanna pray for us and then 